the heartland of the Taliban. Um, it was the front line of the fighting during the war on terror. And I met with quite a number of Ali Jan's family. I met with Durko. We sat outside in the courtyard and we spoke together. Can she tell me her husband's name? Who, what, her husband's name? His name is Ali Jan. Durko is very well aware that her husband was kicked off a cliff. She says, and then he was martyred. From Schwartz Media, I'm Scott Mitchell. This is 7am. In September of 2012, Australian soldiers descended on the rural village of Darwan in Afghanistan, killing four men. That raid and the events of that day were central to the defamation action brought by Ben Robert Smith. The court eventually found it was substantially true that he had committed war crimes, including kicking Ali Jan, an Afghan villager, off a cliff and ordering his execution. But Robert Smith has appealed that decision and the allegations have never been proven to a standard that would be required in a criminal trial. Today, contributor to the Saturday paper, Michelle DeMassey, on the family of Ali Jan and what Australia owes them. It's Monday, November 20. Michelle, to begin, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself and and how you first came to hear about Ali Jan's widow, Durko, and their three children? Yeah, sure. So I am a writer, a researcher, and an anthropologist. I've been visiting Afghanistan since 2010, so I've been quite engaged with the country for the last 13 years. In terms of uh, Ali Jan and Durko's case, I first, obviously, being an Australian, I came to learn about that, like most other Australians knew very well around the defamation trial. The headline from the biggest defamation case in Australian legal history is that nine newspapers have proved that Ben Robert Smith is a war criminal. Justice Anthony Basenko revealed he was satisfied there was substantial truth to allegations Ben Robert Smith was involved in four murders in Afghanistan and bullied an SAS colleague. Today is a day of some small justice for the Afghan victims of Ben Robert Smith. Ali Jan was the man kicked off the cliff. Ali Jan was a father. Ali Jan was a husband. He has children. So at the time when um, the verdict was handed down, I was here in the Middle East. I live in Dubai, but I was planning to travel back to Afghanistan. When I was there, I thought this was a good opportunity to start understanding more about what had happened to this family. And Michelle, can you tell us a bit about how it is that you came to meet with these women, the the widows of these men who'd been killed? What did that journey involve? How did you get in touch with them? Obviously, I needed to first get permission from the Taliban. That was actually quite a critical step in this process. So I did approach them and actually ask for permission. Could I 
look at this as a potential story. In terms of finding these families, having been really well engaged with the country, I have my own networks there and was able to locate them. We left very early one morning and began the drive from Kandahar to Tarankot, which is the capital of Uruzgan, where the Australian soldiers served from 2005 to 2013. And this drive takes you through all the rural lands of Afghanistan, desolate plains. You know, there's not much to see other than mountains and children shepherding goats and, you know, the odd talib on the back of a motorbike with their large woven turbans and flying past. And the roads are extremely damaged over the years, despite you know, millions of dollars in international aid and reconstruction efforts. So it's a very poor province. It's very isolated, but it is where I then met Durko and another lady called Hazarat Gula. They came to meet me there in, in Tarankot and wanted to share with me their stories about what their lives were and what they wanted to see happen since losing, losing their husbands in, in Darwin. And so when you finally sat down to talk to Ali Jan's widow, Durko, what did she tell you about what exactly happened the day Australian soldiers had this raid on Darwan? Well, as you would recall, and what was revealed through the defamation trial was that allegedly Benjamin Robert Smith had kicked Ali Jan off a cliff in Darwan on that day and then had ordered one of his subordinates to execute him. Okay. Can you tell me, were you present? Uh, were you at home the day that Ali Jan was uh, killed? For her, she was at home that day when, when Ali Jan set out to um, go mill wheat. He took his donkey. And she later found out later that evening from a male relative that Ali Jan had been killed. Why do you think they killed killed your husband? For nothing. For nothing. She says that, you know, when she found out, she couldn't understand, you know, why someone had killed her husband. He was an innocent man. And that night she was very, very scared. Her kids were very frightened. And she said that, her boys and her daughter went to bed that night with hungry stomachs because their father had not come back with food and he was, you know, the sole provider for that family. And what happened to Ali Jan's family after he was killed? How, how have their lives been impacted by what happened to their husband, their father and this incident involving Australian soldiers? Well, it's very important to remember how many women in rural Afghanistan live. Quite a number of them have never had an education. They don't work. They're at home. And why I'm telling you that is because they rely solely on the male family members to provide them with food, safety, shelter. So the first thing that's happened to Durko is that she's lost the breadwinner of the family. I also met with Ali Jan's mother, Nizay. She has become quite a frail woman 
But every year she makes the journey from Helmand back to Darwin to visit the grave of her son, Ali Jan. But she couldn't go in recent months because of getting quite old. And obviously the family are even struggling to buy things like medicine to provide um, for any sickness, whether the kids get sick or she's unwell. I also met with Ali Jan's boys. Okay. Can you please tell me your name? Sadiqullah. His name is Sadiqullah. Okay. And what is your name? His name is Izzatullah. Okay. And how old are you, Sadiqullah? Sadiqullah. Um, so Ali Jan had three kids, Sadiqullah, Izzatullah, and a little girl, uh, Sat Bebi. And they have really lost their childhood. When I asked Sadiqullah what had happened to his dad, he said my my dad was was tied up and he was martyred, meaning he was executed. You must have been quite small at that time. I was, she says, I was really small, but I can't remember him. And as I asked him these questions about this, you know, his little brother, Ezatullah, sat there and was sobbing, you know, his hands and his face, recalling, um, you know, the pain that these kids still feel. So firstly, they've lost their father. Secondly, they have no opportunity to go to school. They need to find a way to make a living each day. And what does that look like for those boys? They work as child labourers in the cotton fields in Helmand. It was very evident that, you know, they've been working really hard in the cotton fields. You know, their faces are very tanned from being out in the sun all day. Their hands are very worn from picking the cotton. After I finished speaking with them, they took me to the cotton fields where they work each day. And um, I was able to witness how they work relentlessly picking cotton in the fields. We'll be back after this. The Saturday Paper's food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter, The Food. It features the latest recipe from the Saturday Paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. What the Inspector General finds is greatly at odds with that good effort and damaging to our moral authority as a military force. His report details credible information regarding deeply disturbing allegations of unlawful killings by some. I would respectfully ask Australians to remember and have faith 
in the many. I assure you, I do. To the people of Afghanistan, on behalf of the Australian Defence Force, I sincerely and unreservedly apologise for any wrongdoing by Australian soldiers. So, Michelle, you've just spent time with with Ali Jan's family, and Australia has actually already held an inquiry into cases just like this, alleged killings of Afghan civilians. What did it say about what we should be doing to help people like Durko and the surviving family of Ali Jan? Yeah, so we've, we're coming up to the three-year anniversary of the Brereton Report, which um, found there was credible evidence of 39 unlawful killings of Afghans. The Brereton Report also noted that it was simply morally the right thing to do that compensation be paid to these 39 victims' families. The Brereton Report also sets out that compensation shouldn't be postponed waiting for any further investigations around criminal liability, that this is something that should actually be dealt with um, independent of any further investigations. And that is a key recommendation which hasn't been dealt with. The Department of Defence responded to the Brereton Report stating that there would be a a work plan around compensation and this would be settled by the end of 2021. However, to date, it hasn't been settled. No one has been paid compensation. And widows such as Durko haven't been spoken to either about what compensation might look like. And so why is that, Michelle? It's been two years now since that deadline to pay compensation has passed. What's stopping compensation being paid to Ali Jan's widow Durko and and families like hers? I think there seems to be a perspective that this is just all too complex and, you know, let's just put this in the too hard basket, which I think Mm -hmm. is not necessarily really the case. Yes, the Taliban are the de facto government currently in Afghanistan, and yes, there has been concerns around issues such as, okay, well, if these families were paid out large sums of money, that perhaps there would be corruption, or would this money even get to them because of a history of corruption in in Afghanistan? What has not really seemed to be discussed, as far as I know, is a number of UN agencies are operating in Afghanistan. Um, There's other international organisations such as the Red Crescent. Now, those could be approached to look at, okay, how can we get this compensation money to these families? They could be used as a third party, as a conduit, in the same way that international aid is coming into Afghanistan and is distributed on other projects. And it could be something as simple as looking at, you know, monthly cash grants for someone like Durko so that she has enough food. It could be that Sadiqul and Ezatullah and Satbebi's schooling is paid each month so that those boys don't have to work as child labourers. And I think these are some of the conversations we have to have right now. It can't be something as simple as it's too complex because the Taliban is there and there's corruption. I don't think that is a good enough reason right now um, to deny these families compensation. That was promised by the Australian government. And so, Michelle, compensation is one thing, but What do Durko and the other widows you spoke to want in terms of what does justice look like for them? 
So let's be clear here. They're not there. Durko and the other widows are not here just putting their hand up saying we want handouts from the Australian government. That would be the wrong frame to look at this. What they firstly want is justice. They want the perpetrators brought to a court, whether it's in Afghanistan or it happens in Australia, and they want to see justice. And that's what's most troubling for them. You know, 11 years later, and they're saying, why has justice not been served? Now, these women are ready to testify and it can be done. It can be done. I've spoken to these women and obviously I went to Afghanistan, but there is nothing stopping bringing these women and doing it in a very culturally sensitive way um, that respects the norms of, of Afghan society. And they could be testifying by video link should they be given the opportunity to. Right now, the future of Durko and Sadiqula and Ezatula and Sat Bibi is pretty dire. They can't really see a way forward right now. Um, obviously, from a compensation point of view, if they are no longer living in dire poverty, I think that would be a very good outcome for the family. Um, and I think it also just serves as a, as a reminder that despite everything that's been happening with women in Afghanistan, that we can't be forgetting the, the voices of women and the voices of the widows. And I think being able to let these women share their stories actually speaks to a much bigger picture about being able to amplify the voices of women who actually want to testify. Michelle, thank you so much for your time and for sharing the stories of these women with us. My pleasure. Thank you. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, Sam Altman, the co-founder and CEO of the company behind ChatGPT, has been fired under mysterious circumstances. The board of the company, OpenAI, said it no longer had confidence in him and that he was not being consistently candid in conversations with them. And over the weekend, delegates from across Africa agreed to create a global reparations fund to gather and distribute compensation for the global slave trade. 12 million Africans were forcibly taken by European nations between the 16th and 19th centuries. The fund will be backed by the African Union and pursue negotiated settlements as well as litigation. I'm Scott Mitchell. This is 7am. Ange McCormack will be back tomorrow.